Chapter Twelve of *The Flint Heart* by Eden Philpotts. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twelve: The Recovery of Mr. Jago. The next day, Mr. Jago relented a little, owing to his wife's remonstrances, and though Charles and Unity had no breakfast, they were released and allowed to come to dinner. His parents and John, who was grown up didn't believe a word of the story that Charles told them, and yet it was all true enough. But he did not say anything about the flint heart and the waistcoat till the next meeting, and then he explained what must be done, and introduced the hot-water bottle to the family. Soon afterwards, when the farm was quiet and nobody about, Charles looked for the old waistcoat and found it. He could not help feeling very excited at the moment when he put his hand into the pocket and touched the chilly and hard face of the flint heart. He looked at it to see that there was no mistake, and then, as somebody was hastening along the passage, he slipped the charm into his own pocket and went off. Of course, Charles knew what a horribly dangerous thing he had got, and made all haste to be rid of it again. He felt as if he was carrying dynamite, or gunpowder, or some equally touchy and explosive compound. But to get the flint heart from his father was one thing, to get rid of it was quite another. He decided to speak to Unity in private, and presently he met her watching the ducks in the river not far off. Charles shouted roughly to her, "'Come here, and be sharp about it. She was astonished at the tone of his voice, but went instantly. "'Don't stare,' he said, "'but just attend to me, and speak sense if you can. I've got the flint heart in my pocket. What shall I do with it?' "'I wonder,' said Unity, and Charles was so irritable and peppery and unlike himself, that he took his small sister by the shoulders and shook her. Ship happened to be passing by, and he could not stand this, so he came forward and looked at Charles with his blue eyes, and showed his teeth, and growled. "'Would you, you cur?' cried Charles, and he picked up a great stone to throw at Ship. Then Unity said, "'I wonder if you hadn't better fling away that flint heart, brother Charles, before it makes you any worse.' and Charles struggled against the horrid heart, and dragged it out of his pocket, and threw it away with all his might. It fell into the river, but it was flat, and it went ducking and draking all along a smooth pool, and then jumped the bank, and fell plump into a reedy swamp beyond. It was a place where green and pink and yellow bog-moss grew, and the cruel little sundew that catches flies with its leaves, and the butterwort with sticky foliage also, and the bog pimpernel, and other very pretty things that like to live with their feet in the water. So much for that, cried Charles. It's gone. It'll trouble nobody any more. Forgive me, Unity. Forgive me, Ship. What a brute of a thing it is. I wonder what you'd have been like if you'd kept it very long, said Unity. I would have got worse and worse, declared Charles. I wonder how the hot water bottle would have liked it, said Unity. I'm sure I don't know, answered Charles. 
He is better as he is, though as he's so low-spirited, it might perhaps have done him good. I wonder how De Quincey would have liked it, said Unity. It would have made him rather conceited, declared Charles, and he would have ordered the others about and very likely got into trouble with the king and queen. I wonder how the snick would have liked it, said Unity. The snick was quite important enough without it, answered Charles. As a matter of fact, I shouldn't be surprised if he's got one. I wonder how the Zagabog would have liked it, said Unity. It wouldn't have made any difference to him, replied Charles. If he'd had a string of flint hearts around his neck, they wouldn't have made him unkind. He couldn't be. As they spoke, Billy Jago appeared beside the river, and Unity was about to fly, for the children never faced their father now if it could be helped. But Charles held her hand. Don't go, he said. Trust the Zagabog. If he was right, then father will be the same good old father he always was, now the Flintheart has gone. Charles called to Ship, who was sneaking off under the hedge, and hoping that Mr. Jago would not see him and whistle. But he came to Charles, and all three boldly walked to meet the master of Merripit Farm. And the first thing he did was to pick up Unity and rub his bristly yellow chin against her cheek and kiss her. She had not been kissed since the Zagabog kissed her, and she looked into her father's eyes and hoped they would be telescopes too. But they weren't and she saw nothing of the past, and nothing of the present, and nothing of the future. But she saw a very kind, gentle expression, and heard Mr. Jago say, "'Well, my little purty Tibby lamb, have ye come for to meet father and fetch him home to dinner? And a ride you shall have for your trouble, so you shall.' He carried her on his arm, and with great rejoicing they all went home together, Billy and his daughter in the middle, and Charles on his right, and Ship on his left. When Mrs. Jago saw them coming, she called to Mary and said, Oh, my Guy Fox, be that father carrying unity, or have my eyes gone mazed? And Mary said, S. Fay, he's carrying unity, sure enough, and he's making jokes by the look of it, for Charles be laughing fit to crack his cheeks. Dinner was late and Billy Jago didn't mind in the least. The family all stared at him as if he was a stranger. But the happy truth was that the stranger had gone, and the real, kind, laughing Billy had returned. John, I ought to have mentioned that he was grown up, seemed the only one who was a little bit sorry, for since Billy had possessed the flint heart, it could not be denied that he had got on in the world wonderfully. The only bright side to the change was that he had put quite a lot of money into the bank. But Mrs. Jago felt that, after all, though money is useful, it isn't as useful as a good-tempered and kind-hearted husband. What about that field down by the river, she asked, just to see if Billy still felt the same to other people, or if he had changed all around. He thought a moment and answered, "Well." Old Thomas Gollop wants it more than I do, and it was certainly promised to him. I meant to offer a bit more for it and cut him out, but I shan't. He can have it. So, you see, Billy was changed in every way, 
and though it took the people a good long time to believe it, yet when he gave ten huge plum cakes to the parish school treat, and went himself, and played hunt the slipper with the children, and when he asked men to forgive him for having been unkind, and women to forgive him for having been rude, and children to forgive him for having been rough, and so on, and so on, of course everybody began to see that he really had changed, and was just the old easy-going Billy that he used to be. He didn't make nearly so much money, but he made more friends, and whatever he may have thought about it, there was no doubt what Mrs. Jago and Mary and Ted and Charles and the twins and Unity and the baby and Ship thought. None of them cared a bit about money, and were only too glad to have the head of the house back again instead of the grumpy monster that had taken his place. Only one sad thing occurred at this time to spoil the general joy, and the sorrow was felt by none but Charles and Unity. When they had time to do so, they turned their attention to the poor India-rubber hot-water bottle. He had been left hanging on a nail in a dark corner of the stable, and now Charles brought him down and went into the question of mending him. Naturally, the bottle was deeply interested and wanted Charles to send him back to Germany. He said, I do not wish to suggest that you couldn't mend me beautifully, Charles. I have every confidence in you and unity, but I have suffered internally in many ways. It is a complicated case, and I shall require the most careful handling, if I am ever to be restored to health and usefulness. But Charles was firm. It is quite out of the question, he answered. To send you to Germany is impossible. I don't even know where Germany is. We will do our best for you, and we can do no more. The bottle gave his sad, wheezy sigh, and said that he left himself in the hands of Charles. Do your best, he answered. I wonder if sticking plaster, suggested Unity. We have it on our fingers if we cut ourselves. By all means try it, said the bottle, but I doubt if it is good enough. If it's good enough for us, it ought to be good enough for you, said Charles, rather warmly. But the bottle explained that he didn't mean that at all. Without doubt it is good enough, he answered. Indeed, it may be too good for a poor, friendless, battered wretch like me. My fear is that it won't stick me together. And time proved the bottle was only too right. Nothing that Charles or Unity could think of answered the purpose of healing the poor fellow. They tried sticking plaster and stamp paper and gum and glue and even sealing wax, which hurt the bottle horribly, but he bore it without a tear. Yet all these things only made the hole in his side worse, if anything, and at last he begged the children to make no further experiments. I can stand no more, he said. Let me hang on my nail in peace. I thank you from a full heart for your praiseworthy efforts to bring a little sunshine into my life. But we must wait until you grow older and cleverer. You say that wise men sometimes come here to stop in the summer months. If any arrive presently, speak with them and endeavor to interest them in my case. Meanwhile, do not let my sorrows make you sad. Go on your way and be happy 
and forget me for the present. Charles and Unity tried to do what he told them, but they did not forget him, which was very fortunate indeed, for though you might suppose that a broken-down hot water bottle could make little stir in the world and was really not likely to be of any great use again, yet you would be quite mistaken to think so. Because this is a fairy story, and in any real fairy story nothing happens that you expect, and everything happens that you don't expect. Therefore, as you don't expect to hear any more of the hot water bottle, you very soon will hear more of him. In fact, I should never have brought him into the story at all if I had meant to leave him hanging forever and ever on a nail in the corner of a dark stable. Still, he must hang there for a little while, just as the flint heart must lie in the bog by the river for a little while. But one thing I promise you, the bottle and the flint heart will meet before you or they are much older, and when they do, I hope I shall be able to write about such a great event properly. End of chapter 12